we've been talking, uh, you know, for since the first part of January, actually, and we've continued this series. This will be the last part of this today. And we started a new series, went through January, and now all the way through February. And it's called Living from the Inside Out, How to Live from the Inside Out. There are CDs back there, so I encourage you to pick those up. You'll see part one, two, three, and all the different parts that are there. So let it be a great blessing to you. And uh, as I've said before, well, let's pray for Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. I lean myself, I lean completely, totally upon you today, Lord. And I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice today, Lord, to speak forth exactly, precisely what you want me to talk about today, Father, to help us all, Father. We look to you. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like I said, we're, our, as Christians, when we come into the kingdom of God, we're changed from the inside out, right? We're changed from the inside out. And we are to live our lives, not from the outward side, but from the inward side, where God lives. Amen? Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 18. And Proverbs chapter 18, and we may not have this up on the screen right now, but Proverbs 18, verse 13 and 14. That's Proverbs chapter 18, verses 13 and 14. Scripture says, He who answers a matter before he hears the facts is a folly and a shame unto him. That's out of the Amplified. And then verse 14 says, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. Say strong spirit. strong spirit. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. Okay, now the phrase that I want to focus on here today in Proverbs Chapter 18, verse 14 says, The strong spirit of a, man, of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. Say strong spirit. Now I wanted to have you say that again because today we're going to talk about, of all things, how to deal with pressure. You want to know how to deal with pressure? There's, a, there's so much talk in the last several years about a thing called stress. You ever hear that phrase before? Stressed. I'm stressed out. Back when I was growing up, we just called it hard work. <laughs> stress, right? People say, I'm stressed out. We're going to talk about how to deal with pressure, really, which is stress. There's a biblical way to deal with that. Now, the first thing I want to show you right here is that it's imperative in order, number one, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, the way to deal with pressure, the, way, the first and foremost way I know to deal with pressure is to have the Word of God abiding on the inside of you. Have the Word of God abiding on the inside of you. Now, it says in Proverbs there that the strong spirit of a man will sustain a person in bodily weakness. Now, in order to be strong in spirit... You have to be, now we're talking about believers here. In order to be strong in spirit, we have to be strong in the Word of God. Are you with me? 
You cannot, it's impossible to be strong in the spirit or spiritually unless the Word of God is on the inside. Praise God. Now, go to 1 John chapter 2 for, for a minute here. In 1 John chapter 2, out of the King James, or as one guy said, King Jimmy, KJV, that's 1 John chapter 2 and verse 13. We'll start right there. Talking about how to deal with pressure. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children. Now this is the Apostle John saying here. I have written unto you little children because you have known the father. Now check out verse 14. It says, And I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word, notice this, the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. I want to focus on that part right there. In the latter part of verse 14 he says, he says, uh, I write unto you young men because you are strong. How are they strong? Because the word of God, what? Abideth in you and notice the end result, you have overcome the wicked one. So the Apostle John, who was the closest apostle to the Lord Jesus Christ, out of the twelve, then you had the three, Peter, James, and John. Out of the three, you have John, who is the closest, and he's the longest living apostle that died a natural age of an old age. The other apostles were martyred, but the Apostle John outlived them all. Praise the Lord. And he had a revelation of Jesus. He had a revelation of life and love more than any of the apostles. But I know something that really stood out to me when I was reading this. He said, you, you young men, you're strong, but it's because the Word of God abideth in you, and as a result, you have overcome the wicked one. Hallelujah. The Word of God abideth in you. Now, we're all familiar with Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness that you can read about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospel. You know, you don't find that in John. But in the synoptic gospels, which are similar, means Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have a lot of the same accounts. Okay? John has some other separate accounts in his writings. But you'll see that when Jesus, of course, was being tempted by the devil in combat in the wilderness, after he was baptized in the River Jordan, and he went out into the wilderness and say, Why why did he have to why was he driven by the Spirit of God out into the wilderness? Because he was going to pass the test that Adam failed. The first test was the food test. Remember that? Where did Adam miss it? With the food, right? The Lord told him, he said, you can have every tree in the garden, all the thousands of trees. He said, but this one tree is my tree. In other words, that's the tithe. That belongs to me. That's what the Lord said. But you can eat all the rest of the trees. And so you remember what happened? They were tempted. They were let the devil tempt them, and they went and partook of that, you know. And uh, but then you see in Jesus' temptation, after forty days of fasting, I can imagine you would be hungry too. <laughs> but after forty days of fasting, the devil came to him and said, "If you're truly the Son of God, turn these stones into a loaf of bread." Remember that. And I, in fact, over there in this to this day, the rocks that are over there, the stones that are over there. They look like loaves of bread. That's what they look like. All right? And so you can, you can just imagine Jesus looking at that, and the devil said, if you're really the Son of God, then turn those stones into bread. Now, how many of you know he could have done that as the Son of God? 
But he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? And so, uh, when he said the word of God to the devil, then the devil left him and came back with a, a second temptation, then a third temptation, but they're all different. They're all different. But on each occasion, we're not going to take the time to go through them, but I trust you know your Bible well enough that when they, when they said the word of God, when Jesus said, it is written three times, three different scriptures, he must have had the word of God abiding in him in order for him to say that. He didn't take the time to go back to the, the local synagogue and look up the scriptures, you know, and say, wait a, wait a second, devil, I'll be right back. You know, when the devil brought the temptation, Jesus had the word of God where? He had the word of God in him, didn't he? Now, that's why he was able to overcome the wicked one. Because he had the word of God abiding in him. Okay, pastor, I understand that. But that's Jesus. That's Jesus. I, I know it's Jesus. But Jesus is teaching us and showing us how to combat the devil when temptation comes at us. Okay? When the enemy comes at us. Do we shut our mouths? Do we go crawl in a corner and hide somewhere? Or do we open up our mouth and quote Bible verses? Praise God. You know, Jesus didn't quote a whole chapter. He quoted one verse. One verse can whip the devil. <laughs> Are you with me? One verse of Scripture can whip the devil. And that's why the enemy has lied for so long, but we're exposing him for who he is. Praise God. Anybody that thinks he's going to overthrow the throne of God is the, the biggest fool you can ever dream or think of. That's what he thought he was going to do is overthrow the throne of God. How foolish can you get? Dumb and dumber. Okay? And all the one-third of the angels that went with him thought, we, we can do this. We can overcome the throne of God. Boy, Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Man. When did he fall like lightning from heaven? When he said, I'm going to ascend, as you read in Isaiah, I will ascend to the throne of God. I will be like the most high God. I, I, there's five I wills. Selfish. And, and God kicked him out. He lost everything. He lost his anointing. But when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he used this, this book right here, but the word of God was abiding in him. Okay, Did you know that a Jewish boy by the age of 12 had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized? The Pentateuch? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They, they had Jewish, young Jewish men on their bar mitzvah. They had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now, back in those days, you know, of course, the New Testament wasn't written. So, the Old Testament, when Jesus said, it is written, he was quoting Old Testament scriptures. All right? Now, look at this scripture again. In 1 John 2, verse 14, it says, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And notice this, the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Glory be to God. Can I, people have the question, can I overcome 
demons and devils and evil spirits? The answer is yes. You're supposed to. Now, there's no age limit. You don't have to be 21 years old before you start speaking the Word of God. A young child that's old enough to talk can quote the Word of God and the devil will flee from them. Amen? You all with me this morning? I'll tell you what. The Word of God abiding in us will make all the difference in the world. Now, again, in Proverbs... Let's go back there again here at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. Because we'll just kind of show you here. And that's in the Amplified Translation. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily weakness or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up and bear. Hallelujah. Say strong spirit. So to have a strong spirit, man or woman, how many of you here want to have a strong spirit? It's important. Your spirit can be, just like your body can be strong or weak. Right? And the way that you have, you, the way that you get a strong, here comes the Holy Ghost right in here. Amen. Praise the Lord. And a rushing mighty wind, praise the Lord, (laughs) filled the house where they were sitting. Glory to God. (laughs) Strong spirit will sustain a person in bodily weakness. Do you know your spirit can get so strong that when you're attacked physically, that when you're attacked physically, that your spirit can overcompensate for any weakness in the flesh? Did you know that? I've had times in my life where I've been attacked physically in my body, physical body, you know. But I had spent some time meditating the scriptures, thinking about the word of God, speaking the word of God, just kind of going through my daily routine, you know. When you feel like it's not really doing anything, but actually it is, because you're making deposits. I mean, I mean, how many of you ever went through the drive through your bank and you made a deposit? Anybody ever did that before? You drive through the drive-thru? Do you ever, anybody here ever make a deposit before? Is there any special feeling attached to that? I mean, when you put that little tube in there and it, and it goes back to the teller, you know, did you go, whoa, I felt that goosebump, you know, go up my back, you know. There's no special feeling, but you made a deposit. Whether it's cash or a check, you made a deposit, went into your account. And I want to say this because a lot of times people, they, they mistaken. And they have the, the mistaken idea that there's always supposed to be some kind of a feeling attached to when you're making deposits and things are happening. Just like today, you know, we need information. We need, we need inspiration, but we need information to download into our spirits. Because when we make those deposits, then when the time comes, you can withdraw what you need. See, if there's nothing in your physical bank account, if you have nothing, if you have a zero balance in your bank account, you can't withdraw any money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can't do it. Now, your spirit is like a bank account. And your spirit is a reservoir that's meant to be filled with God's Word. Praise God. And when you fill up your spirit with God's Word, even when something comes against you, your spirit will say, mm-hmm, no, no. Amen? I made mention of the fact last Sunday morning, you know, I, uh, I was uh, actually the day before, 
on Friday of last, the last Friday, I was lifting these five-gallon jar uh, containers of spring water we get to deliver to our house, okay? And I was in a hurry. It was raining outside, and I started to pick them up and bring them in. Didn't think twice about it. But then on Sunday, I went down, last Sunday, I went, dropped something in the bathroom, went over to pick it up. And when I did, I'll tell you, I had shooting pain come through my back like you wouldn't believe. Now, I've had that before in the past. I mean, it's like somebody took a hammer and just nailed the, the bottom of my back, you know? That I knew it was related to that situation that I had did something with when I was lifting those waters. It was stupid because I picked, picked two of them up and tried to bring them in instead of one at a time. You know, we can make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> All right? And so I sprained something back there, but it didn't show up until, like, I did that Friday. It didn't show up until Sunday. And, oh, I mean to tell you, I was getting, this is right before church. But I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm telling you, it was, I couldn't even, I mean, I felt like I, if I blinked, I could feel it on my back. That's how bad it hurt, you know. But I stood there, and I, see, all these years I've been depositing the Word of God in my heart, depositing the Word in my heart, speaking the Word of God when I'm healthy, when I'm feeling good. And all of a sudden, I just, I got mad. I got ma- angry in the spirit, and I says, oh, no, you don't, self. I had my hand on the wall, my one hand on the sink, and I'm standing there in pain, and I said, oh, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, this pain, Jesus took my pains, bore my sicknesses. I refuse to accept this in Jesus' name. Now, sometimes you've got to ask the Lord to forgive you if you did something. I said, Lord, please forgive me for lifting those waters like that. I shouldn't have done that. And the Lord will heal you on mercy. Amen. And, uh, well, I came to church, preached the sermon. I came back that afternoon, last Sunday, sat down to relax. I got up again, and there, there came that pain back again. Okay? So I had to remind the devil. I said, no, 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 no. By his stripes, I am healed. Himself, Matthew 8, 17, took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And by his stripes, I am healed, devil. Do you hear that? I'm healed. Praise the Lord. And by Tuesday, the pain was completely gone. Or Monday, I'm sorry. By Monday, the pain was completely gone. And I got to thinking about that because in the past, if I hadn't had the word of God in my heart, it would have taken me... A week and a half to get through that thing. Popping pills and everything, pain pills and everything. But I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. My point I'm trying to make is this. Is that when we deposit the word of God inside of us, we may think it's not doing anything. Even in church, you think, I'm coming, I'm hearing the word of God. What is it really doing for me? There's deposits that are going into you right now. There are spiritual deposits that are going into you right now. There's impartations that are going into you right now. And it's important. It's big stuff. It's important to the Lord. And it's going inside of you so that when something comes against you, you got something to draw from. Amen? I mean, if you got enough money in the bank and you get a, a, a bill that comes in unexpectedly, you know, you're not really worried about it because you have enough money in the bank to cover it. And so it's the same thing when something comes against us relationally, physically, financially, or in any way, shape, or form. If the Word of God has been deposited inside of us, we can draw upon that Word and we, we can begin to say what that Word says. Glory to God. Speak that Word. And the same, uh, who, somebody said it like this. We know that when God, when Jesus, Satan will respond to the word of God in us, in our mouth, 
the same way he responded to the Word of God in Jesus' mouth. Are you with me? Jesus spoke the Word of God. The devil left him. We can speak the same Word of God and the devil will leave us. And it works every single time. Praise God. Now the reason I think, let me just let me share a little bit about that because I think where people miss it sometimes and where people, Christians, uh, get off base a little bit with this, they say, people say things like, well, I resisted the devil and he didn't flee from me. People actually say that. They say, well, I, I did what the Bible says and it didn't work. Really? It didn't work. <laughs> so God lied, right? Well, we know that God doesn't lie. Amen? But sometimes we have to hold our ground. And that's why the scripture says in Hebrews, several times in the book of Hebrews, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Hold fast. Hang on to a good confession. Why is that important? Because if we let go of a good confession, what's a good confession? The Word of God. If we let go of a good confession, then we can let go of the victory. Okay? Now, I use this illustration. I've learned this many, many years ago. But let's just say, when it comes to resistance, let's just say somebody comes walking into this auditorium right now. They come in. And there's a guy. His name is George. There's no Georges here, right? So, so he comes in. And he comes in here. And we're having service, right? Just like we are right now. And he has one of these cigars that are this long. And in, while we're having church service, he lights up this cigar. And, and smoke is filling the whole room up the atmosphere. People start choking and coughing. Okay? And so I look at George. I'm using this to help you understand this. I look at George. The whole atmosphere is filled with that smoke, right? How many of you appreciate that that guy's not in here right now? Okay? And, and so I say, now, George, you're going to have to leave. And I'm casting you out right now. You and the cigar, you've got to go right now. And he'll say, well, I don't want to, but if you tell me to, I have to. And so I get two of my strong ushers over there, and they escort him out. And he leaves. But somebody else comes walking in after I've just told him to leave, George, and his cigar. Somebody else comes in and says, who's been smoking the cigar in here? And I'll say, well, there was a guy named George that came in, lit up a big fat cigar, a Cuban cigar, and I, I cast him out. And the guy that comes in says, uh, uh, that's not true. He's still in here. I still smell it. Now, as far as we're concerned, George and the Cuban cigar are gone, right? But there's still residue left in the atmosphere that he was here, okay? We would call that symptoms, symptoms. The residue of the smoke of that cigar smell is still residue in, in, the, in the atmosphere. But we cast him out and the cigar went out with him. So in reality, it's gone. But if you just closed your eyes and you walked by your senses, you would have to come to the conclusion that, that he's still here. It may take a couple of hours for the atmosphere to clean out. Maybe longer than that. Are you with me now? Now, when you cast out the devil, when you rebuke the devil and you resist him with the word of God, the Bible says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you, right? He'll flee from you. That means he'll leave. He'll leave. But sometimes 
This is so important. The symptoms are still lingering. The pain is still there. Okay, but you've done the word of God. You've spoken the word of God. But what will happen is, and here's where the enemy tries to deceive Christians, good people, good-hearted people, that they've already said the word, they've spoken the word, but all of a sudden they'll say, uh, I guess my prayers aren't working. I guess my faith is not working. You know what they just did? They just threw in the towel and they gave up. And that's called wavering. And the scripture says, let a man that wavers, he's not going to receive anything from the Lord. And that's why people get get into twisted, weird doctrines about God's in control of everything. And that's why they leave churches and they go to other churches, you know, where God's in control. How many of you heard that phrase before? God is in control. Well, listen, if God is in control, then why don't he make everybody come to church today? Huh? If God's in control. No, people have a will. People have a choice. We have a will. We have a choice. Okay? If God is in control, then he certainly has a lot of, this, a lot of things that are in a big, big mess because there's a lot of stuff going on right now in this city. Just go home tonight, put on the 6 o'clock news in the local news, and you'll find out what happened today. Somebody got shot. Somebody got killed. Somebody was raped. Somebody was robbed or whatever. Or some damage. Somebody, whatever. It's all negative stuff. Right? Those things happen. So if God was in control, then none of that bad stuff would happen. Are you with me now? That's why it's easy for people to come along and say, well, such and such happened, and this happened, and that happened. And, you know, but Pastor, the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose in Romans chapter 8. It does say that, doesn't it? However, the Scripture tells us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. 1 Timothy he says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you can rightly divide the word of God, the word of truth, you can wrongly divide the word of truth. Taking a scripture out of context. Now, I agree, Romans eight twenty six, all things work together for good. That is a beautiful scripture. However... Where people miss it is they don't read the verses before it and they read the verses after it to see what Paul the Apostle was talking about. I'll let you in on a little bit of information right here because this scripture has been one of the most abused scriptures in the body of Christ for years since I was a young Christian. Someone says, I, I got in a car wreck. I heard people on the radio say this, my so-and-so got in a car wreck and I was in the hospital and I witnessed to somebody and they got saved. So all things work together for good. Okay, so God caused a car accident so you could go into the hospital and witness to somebody? I don't think so. Now, I, I will agree this, that God can turn anything around. But when Paul says all things work together for good, you know what he's talking about? Praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities when we don't know how to pray as we ought. That the Spirit gives us the utterance. The Holy Ghost gives us the utterance so that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray in other tongues. We are doing great damage in the kingdom of darkness when we pray in the Spirit. Amen? I can't hear you. <laughs> I'm telling you... When you pray in the Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God. You cannot pray and make a mistake. 
Now certainly all of us in the natural, we could pray in English and we can make a mistake. We could pray the wrong way, pray amiss, as the scripture says. But listen, I'll tell you, there's a perfect prayer language called tongues. That's why the devil fights it so hard to keep people out of this. But I'll just keep preaching it until Jesus comes back. Because let me tell you, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, you need it. We need it. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need to speak and practice speaking with other tongues. Because you cannot make a mistake. You cannot make a mistake. Because it's the Holy Ghost talking through you. And that's why the scripture was written, all things work together for good. Thank you, Lord. See if, uh, I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone to pray for somebody, somebody called you for prayer, they sent you a text message or something, said, brother, could you pray for me? I have this happen all the time. Could you pray for me about this situation here? And, and a lot of times, I'm not sure exactly how to pray. Okay? So-and-so's going through something. They're in a real situation right now. They need some serious prayer, you know? So, see, my mind is so limited. I only know certain things. I only know what a person tells me. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit knows everything and everything at once. He's omnipresent, omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Okay? So, when I come to a situation like, <clears throat> like that, I'll say, all right, Lord, now... I've prayed to the best of my knowledge to pray for that person, giving you an example. Um, but beyond that, I really don't know. There's a lot of things I just don't know. But, the, but you know, Lord. And so I'm going to ask you right now, Lord, give me utterance right now. And as I pray in the Spirit, just for a few minutes, pray in other tongues, pray in the Spirit, then I'm asking you to give me utterance so that I can pray effectively for that person. That's the way I pray for everybody in this church. Lynn and I. That's the way we pray. We pray the Word of God and we pray in the Spirit. <laughs> Glory to God. Because it covers things that our minds don't know about. Are you with me? It's the most perfect prayer language that there is. Praise God. That's why Paul the Apostle said, he goes, I thank my God. I speak. He was talking to the whole church at Corinth. He says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than every one of you. <laughs> but he also had more revelation than anybody too. Praise the Lord. Don't you know the devil hates us when we talk about the Holy Ghost? But that's good because he's under our feet. Amen? Don't fight the Holy Ghost in your life. Don't resist him. Don't fight him. Welcome him. Okay? There's too many people out there nowadays that resist the Holy Ghost. That's the wrong thing you want to resist. You want to resist the devil. You do not want to resist the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So, the number one way that we can over, talking about how to overcome pressure, the pressures of life, how to deal with pressure is, is to have the Word of God abiding on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. The second thing I want to deal with today in closing today, to deal with pressure, is that we have to look, we have to be looking at the right thing. Excuse me. Go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter one. I want, you, I want you to see something here. In Second Corinthians chapter one, Paul the apostle said here in verse eight, 
That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia. Notice this. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, inasmuch as despaired even to life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but the God who raiseth the dead. Notice that Paul was talking about some of the pressures and the stress that he was under. Now go over to 2 Corinthians, or there anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll pick up in verse 23. And Josh, if you could bring this up in the NLT, I'd appreciate that. We're talking about dealing with pressure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, in the New Living, it says, Now the Apostle Paul, how many of you know he went through some stuff? Dear me. That man went through more stuff than you and I can ever imagine. And he, he's just kind of listing some of the stuff. that This isn't a, an exhaustive list, but this is sort of a list of some of the things he went through. And uh, most people will be whipped at a red light that stays too long. You know what I'm saying? But look, it, it says right here, Are they servants of Christ? I might sound like a madman, but I've served him far more and I've worked harder. Been put, notice he says, I've been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's, that doesn't mean got drunk, that means with rocks. <laughs> Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night in the day adrift at sea. You know, sharks swimming, swimming around them. And he says, I have traveled many long journeys. I have faced danger from, uh, from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers and they are not. I have worked hard and long, verse 27, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry, thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Besides all this, I have the daily burden or the care of all the churches. And we'll stop right there. Now that's a spiritual thing right there, the daily care of the churches. All right? Uh, but all the other things were fleshly. They were in the natural. He was beaten, shipwrecked. Snake bitten, left for dead. In fact, when they stoned him in Galatia, they took him out and they stoned him. He was actually dead. And the apostles went over and raised him up from the dead. And the next day, he's in the city preaching the same gospel. <laughs> How many of you know there was no quit in the apostle Paul? Then I'll tell you what, he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you wanted this... Paul had scars. We're not talking tattoos here. We're talking, he had the, he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he had scars from head to toe all over his body because of the gospel that he was preaching. Would you not know that Paul the Apostle was one of the most th biggest threats to the kingdom of darkness than any human being that, other than Jesus? The revelation that he had, and that's why the devil sent a messenger a thorn in the flesh to buffet him everywhere he went, to stop him. The thorn in the flesh that Paul had was not a sickness or disease. It was what he just talked about right here. That was the thorn. 
Now eventually, he got the revelation of taking authority over that. Because he asked the Lord, Lord, do something about this. And basically the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is... He said, you have the grace of God to deal with this. You have authority. And once Paul dealt with that forward in the flesh, the Bible says no man forbade him anymore. He preached in his own hired house in the book of Acts, and he finished his course. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you, all hell was let loose and broke loose and tried to stop the apostle Paul. Now, everybody here, you're familiar with the game called football, right? Who do they tackle the person that has the what? The football. And if an offensive person fumbles the ball and the defensive person picks up the ball, all of a sudden the offense becomes the defense. <laughs> right? Because they're after the ball. The ball is the threat. The ball is what counts when you go over the, the touchdown line and so forth, right? Now, the ball that we carry is not a physical pigskin. It's the word of the living God. And when we carry the word of God, we are doing damage to the kingdom of darkness, and he does not like that. Okay? He doesn't like that, but that's okay because we've got the Word of God on the inside of us, and that's the thing, because I've seen too many things happen. I've, I've seen people healed with the Word of God. I've been healed with the Word of God. I've seen people delivered with the Word of God. Set free from demonic influence. Amen? I'm telling you, one time I had to, when I was first, right out, right out of Bible school, into the ministry, I was an assistant pastor in a church. It was an inner city church. Long story short, we had to, we had a new couple come up and got saved in this church. It was a deep inner city church, you know, very inner city church. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you're dealing with. And there was a couple that came to the church, gave their hearts to the Lord. They had like five kids, okay, like in a row, like, you know, consistently. And they, they came, and I was, the pastor was busy, so there were so many people coming. He said, can you counsel this couple here? And I said, sure, yeah. And uh, long story short, this couple came to me. And they said, uh, we've got some problems in our house. And here's what the problem is. He said, uh, um, we'll be sitting there. And this, is, this happened right after they got saved. Their whole family came to the altar and got saved in the church. I remember it vividly. In fact, I remember his name was Tom. I remember that, his first name. That's what I remember just came back to me. And uh, he said, we'll be sitting there in, the, in our living room. And all of a sudden, a picture will fly off the wall randomly. He says, not only that, furniture will just move across real quick and smack into the wall. Furniture of its own free will will just move and smash itself against the wall. Noises and voices and things like this. And they were just freaked, they were freaked out by this. Right? So they're talking to me. I knew exactly what it was right away. I said, when did you get saved? They said, just last week. I said, when did this start happen? Right after we got saved. I said, okay, here's the deal. Now, this family, you have to understand, before they came to Jesus, they were involved in alcohol and drugs and everything that you can, darkness could throw at a person. They were heavily involved in the occult and different things of that nature. And so what happened was they got saved. The devil was upset because he had a foothold in that household. He wanted to destroy every one of them. Okay? And so these, uh, uh, these demons and devils were upset, so they just, you know, started moving stuff in their house, trying to freak them out, put a spirit of fear inside their house. I've seen this more than once. Now, if you don't know what that is, if you don't understand that, 
And especially if you don't understand that you have authority over that stuff, that stuff will continue on and on. Okay? But I remember they, were, they came, the husband and wife came into my office, and they were just, they were overwhelmed by this. I mean, you can, you can understand. And I looked, I felt led of the Lord. I looked at them and I smiled and I said, you know what? This is nothing. And they looked at me like, really? <laughs> like, you don't live here. I, but I, the Lord had me respond in such a way. Instead of getting like all alarmed about the enemy. You shouldn't get alarmed about the enemy. He gets alarmed about you. Man, I'm telling you what, if you know who you are in Christ Jesus and what belongs to you and the authority that you have, oh, let me tell you, there's no demon in hell that can stand up to you. He's terrified of you. He's terrified of the Word of God. And I said, here's what we're going to do. The devil's upset because you got saved. You gave your hearts to the Lord. I mean, they, were, they genuinely got born again. You could just see a difference in them. And all their little kids tagging along like, like ducks almost, you know. And, uh, and I said, here's what we're going to do. The devil's afraid. He's upset, you know. And I said, we're going to take authority over that right now. It's going to stop in the name of Jesus. I felt the fire of God on me in that office. So we just joined hands. They live right down the street from the church. We joined hands. And I said, I take authority over every demon spirit that's been harassing this family in this house right now. And I adjure you. This is how I said, I adjure you to get out of their house. I cast you out. You cannot come back in Jesus' name. You say, well, what happened? Well, a week later, they came back. But this time they came into the church. Instead of having a frown on their face, they had a big smile on their face. Kind of like a neon sign. I said, how you guys doing? How's it going? Well, ever since you prayed, we haven't had any more manifestations. A month later, the same thing. Two months later, the same thing. Free. Free. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, any believer has the authority to do that. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be called to the ministry. All of us have a ministry. Okay? But we have authority in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I feel led of the Spirit to say this, but some of you have had situations in your life that have been harassing you for years. Harassing you for years. I'm saying this by the Holy Ghost right now. Those are satanic emissaries that have been sent to harass you because especially if you're a threat to the kingdom of God, and they've tried to work through another individual, especially to try to harass you. Could be a family member or something like that. Try to harass you to try to, you know what I mean? Keep you on high alert all the time. The Lord wants you to know today, you have a God-given authority to cancel the assignments of the devil against your life and against your family. Isn't that good news? He's got plans. The devil has plans. He has assignments. But you and I can literally cancel those plans. Have you ever canceled plans with somebody before? You know, something came up, say, I can't get together now, right? Well, you can do that in the spirit realm too. You say, no, 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 no. De devil, I know you've been messing with my daughter. You've been messing with my son. You've been messing with my kids for too long. No, no. Because the devil knows. He's not going to use the guy down the street that you never see. He's... He can mess with that person down the street. It won't affect you whatsoever. But if it's somebody in your household, somebody in your family that you care for, and the devil starts messing with them, it affects you. Are you with me now? 
Now, I'm telling you, you have a God-given authority. Ooh, I feel it in my spirit. You have a God-given authority to cancel. It's very easy to say, I cancel the assignments of the, the devil against my family member. And you name that person. And that's something you can do right in your household, in your car, wherever you're at. And, and put, it, put the devil to flight. Praise the Lord. When you resist him, he will flee from you. Say, no more, devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, brother, I don't know if I'm in a position to harass anybody. Well, you need to harass the devil, praise the Lord, because if he's messing with you, how many know what I'm talking about? Is this a mystery to anybody? You know, it's just like, Sometimes you fast, you pray, you do this, you do that, you do what you know to do, but there's, it still lingers there. But the Lord's waiting on us to cancel those assignments that have been arrayed against you. Amen. Satanic lies against you. And I'll tell you why he does that. I'll tell you why he comes at you like that. Because you're a threat to his kingdom. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's a good thing. I'm not buddies with the devil. You're a threat. Your life, your, your, your vision, what God is, the, the call that he's placed upon you is a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So, of course, he's going to try to use things in the natural that concern you to try to keep your way down all the time. But you and I are going to rise up. Hallelujah. And we're going to cancel every assignment the devil has had against our family members and things that have come against us and say, no, you don't, Satan. Enough is enough. You take your hands off my family member right now. In Jesus' name. Do I have to say it anymore? Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's neat because I wasn't even planning on saying that. It just rose up in my spirit. Cancel. The devil's assignments. Say, God has a plan, has a plan. And, a and a good plan for me, for me. and my family. And my family. Amen. Amen. God has a good plan for you and for your family. Yeah. And we're not going to let him mess with us anymore. Bless the Lord. I'm so glad I came today. Thank you, Lord. We're almost out of time here, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I think we'll pick up, we'll leave off here. But in 2 Corinthians, we, we can see very clearly here from the Bible what we just read here. Paul, who wrote three-fourths, think about it, three-fourths of the New Testament that we have today. The whole world is being blessed. <laughs> from the, the time he was called to the ministry to the very present hour right now, the, the, the Word of God Paul's epistles are blessing the entire world. Every inhabited con, every single place, every country. What if Paul would have gave up? He just didn't quit. Did you know all the quits in your head is not in your heart? When you want to cave in, when you want to give up on anything, the quit is in your head. But your heart's saying, no, you can do this. Through Christ, you can do this. We, we can get through this. We're going to get through this. Glory to God. But you know, Paul made, some, made a statement here that sounds, well, let's just look at it here. 
2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction. Huh? Light affliction? Well, we just read what Paul went through. He calls it a light affliction. <laughs> How many of you have been stoned with rocks, left for dead, shipwrecked, snake bitten, and still get up and say, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ? <laughs> Well, he had to have more than just head knowledge. He had to have a revelation knowledge of Christ in him, the hope of glory. But he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, now you understand that the New Testament was not written in chapter and verse. It was a letter. So let's combine verses 17 and 18 right here. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceedingly um, an eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. Praise God. Now the reason, the way that something that normally is a heavy affliction become a light affliction it depends on what you're looking at. Depends on what you're looking at. You may have heard this illustration before, but I'll, I'll say it again. In the world of NASCAR, if you're familiar with that kind of sport, NASCAR, I mean, you're interested, you know, you follow NASCAR. I don't follow it, but I'm aware of it and so forth, you know. And, and I, you know, those cars go, I just did some research on it. They go between 220 miles an hour and 250 miles an hour. But when you're watching it on television, it doesn't look, you know they're going fast, but it just doesn't look like they're going that fast. It's kind of like when you're up in an airplane, you're cruising at 500 plus miles an hour and you're looking down, it doesn't look like you're going that fast. Even if you're on the ground and you're looking up and a plane's coming in, it doesn't look like they're going that fast. But they are, all right? And, uh, and people think, I could do that. I could be one of those drivers, you know, and jump in the car. But they don't let, do you ever see the cameras they put inside those cars? Like, and I mean, their head is jerking around there. Everything's rattling and shaking, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, because, man, they're going to 200 plus miles per hour. You know, things are going to be moving. You know what I'm saying? You've got that, that, that G-forces working against you, too, and everything. And, and then, then you're trying to stay away from everybody else without crashing, you know. And, um, but they've had some, some pretty bad accidents in the past. And one of the worst accidents that they ever have, uh, it, it comes down to human failure, and that is this, that when they start going around, there's two, of course, you know, there's two ends of the track, and there's two turns, right? One at this end, one at this end. But one of the, big, one of the biggest areas that they've had accidents is always on the turns for the simple reason that people, the drivers, look towards the wall, and when they look towards the wall, they're drawn into the wall when they're making the turn. And so to correct that in the, the proper way that they've been trained is when they're going to face the turn, they're not looking right in front of them where they're at. They're looking where they're going. They're looking, at, they're looking to where they're going, not their immediate where they're at right now. Because when they looked at the wall, it's just, it's just automatic. When you look at the wall and you see the stands, you're drawn into that. And what happens is you crash. Either into somebody or you crash into the wall. Neither one of them is good. Right? And so, uh, 
There's a, there's a spiritual analogy to that because if you spend your time looking at the pressures of life, if you spend your time looking at the things that you're facing only, only looking at them, you tend to have a crash. You tend to be drawn into those things. Much like when Peter was walking on the water at the command of Jesus. He said, Lord, if that's you, then bid me to come on the water. What's he going to say? No, it's not me. All he said was come. That's one of my favorite illustrations in the Bible. True story. It's not fairy tale. It actually happened. <laughs> Peter gets out, starts walking on the water to Jesus. Walking on the water because Jesus. Then he got his eyes, the wall. He got his eyes on the wind and the waves and he began to sink. And that's, that's the way. We're talking about how to deal with pressure. We have to have something stable in our lives that we're looking in, looking at. And I submit to you, his name is Jesus, the Word of God, the living Word. When you look to the Word of God, you're looking to Jesus because he is the living Word of God. And that's why you'll find this phrase throughout the Old Testament here, like in Exodus, Deuteronomy. They had the, the, the Israelites had a thing called frontlets. He said, let the Word of God be like frontlets and phylacteries. Remember that? They had... The Israelites had those things. They would literally have this box that would hang over their head like a baseball hat and it would come down and there were scriptures on it. And he said, let them be like frontlets before your eyes and write them, put them on your arm. They had stuff they wrapped around their arm. They didn't write it on their skin, but they wrote it and they, they attached it to their body. And it, what was it? The word of God, scriptures. He says, let these be a sign on your hand and upon your frontlets between your eyes. The Word of God. So when you and I face adversity in life, like I, I've, I've, through the years, you know, I'm talking to different people and they're going through some tough stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. We're, we're in this world, right? We go through stuff, but we, we, we have an anchor. And we have someone that we can look to to help us get through these things. Instead of succumbing to the pressures of life, which a lot of people do, they give in to the pressure and they get their eyes off the Word of God. They get their eyes off the things of God. They quit praying, quit coming to church, quit praying in the Spirit. That's the worst thing a person can do that's born again is they get their eyes off of that. And they get their eyes on, oh, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. But we have to have something stable that we can look at. We've got to look to the Word of God. Amen? Man, the Apostle Paul said one time, he said, man, when I preached the gospel in Asia, he said, not one person stood with me. He said, every one of them forsook me. When he was in Asia, Paul said, every single person left me. But he didn't stop there. He said, but the Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. Hallelujah. Wait, Pastor Keith, you're talking about the great Apostle Paul? Yeah, the Apostle Paul. How would you like to be under his meeting? How would you like to be under his anointing? Oh, yeah. uh -huh. The Apostle Paul, are you kidding me? But there are people that despised him, that hated him. The religious people that were filled with the demons and devils. They hated him. Actually, it was the devil through them hating him. He was one of the most hated people other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was a carrier of the revelation of the gospel of the grace of God that we, you and I have today. Saved by grace through faith. All that revelation that we read about. Blessed be the Lord. So I wanted to just give this to you today because keep the word of God before you. Just take a scripture or two. Say them. Write them down. 
have them on you. You're driving somewhere, you know, just pull out a little card there and before you know it, excuse me, before you know it, that word that you spoke, you've memorized it. How many people here in this place right now could actually quote one scripture? Lift, lift your hand up. Okay, that's, that's everybody. Okay. Quote a scripture, brother. Any three. Amen. Pat. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. Four to three different ones. Amen. Amen. Now I won't I won't go around the whole room. I don't want to put you under pressure or anything like that. But that's a sign that that scripture is abiding in you. None of you, none of you grabbed your Bible and looked up your concordance and said, I know there's something in there. You, when I called on you guys, it, was, it came right up out of you. So that scripture is abiding in you. Okay? That word of God is abiding in you because you put it to memory. Now, it's just like when you get a computer. How many of you have a computer at your house? Well, when you first get your computer, you've got to download all the software, the programs onto the computer, right? Um, so you can use the computer, you can use the programs. But if you don't download any software or any programs, it's virtually useless. You can't do anything with it. So it might look pretty, but you know, you can't, there's nothing you can do with it. You can't type any letters, you can't do any math stuff on there, whatever, banking stuff, you know, because you have to download the software onto that computer in order to be able to use it. Your spirit is like the hard drive. Okay? And the word of God is like the so- the word of God is like the software. Okay? So we got to put do you understand that? We got to put this word into our hard drive, our spirit, so that when we need it, it's there to come up. And that's what happened. That was on your hard drive. That was on your hard drive. Okay? Praise the Lord. And so that's where it becomes effective. Okay? So if we're going to live a stress-free life, if we're going to learn how to live a life that's free from that kind of stress, then we've got to start leaning on Jesus. We've got to start leaning on the Word of God because that's the only thing. I don't know how people in the world do it without God. I really don't. That's why people are going nuts. They're going crazy. That's why they're popping pills. That's why they're drinking. That's why they're doing things because they're trying to handle their own problems themselves. They're not meant to handle their problems themselves. Only God can help us. The Bible says we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And you know, sheep cannot survive on their own. They need a shepherd. You get a sheep, I just let them out there on its own, it's going to die. Okay? It's going to die. I've actually watched that happen before, literally, in the natural a sheep got out of the fold and went out there and before you notice on the side of the road, dead. Sheep need a shepherd. They need someone. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. But we have to go to him. Listen to me very carefully. Run to God. Run to Jesus as fast as you can. 
Stay under his authority. Stay under his anointing. Stay under his word. Because there's protection and there's safety in that. Okay? But what, if, we, if we get out from underneath the shepherd and we get out from under his care, then we're in a position where he can't really protect us. You see? That's not a good place to be. We want to be under the shadow of the Almighty. We want to be, praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. He takes care of me. He watches over me day and night. All will be well with me, with my family, and with my future. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. I hear the Spirit say, will you depend on me? Will you depend on me, saith the Lord? For I love when my children lean on me and depend on me. For it's the safest place that you could ever be. Those that are in the flesh and those that are in the natural do not run to me though my heart longs for them to be with me. Learn to trust me daily, even in the seemingly small areas of your life. For you see, I long to get involved with you, not just in the large areas, not just in the big areas, but I long to get involved with you in the minute details of your life. For I am your shepherd. I am your savior. I am your healer, and yes, I am your deliverer. Come unto me, as I've said in my word, and you'll find rest, and you'll find refreshing in your souls, in your minds, and you will find refreshing in me that no one else can give you. So be quick to come to me. Be quick to run to me. For in me you will find safety. In me you will find refuge. And yes, in me you will have great peace that I've provided for you through my death, burial, and resurrection. So come, and all will be well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Good shepherd. Good shepherd. Jesus Christ. Good shepherd. Good shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Take care of that. When I close here, make sure that you take care. If something has been harassing you, that we addressed, the Lord addressed that a few minutes ago, make sure you take care of that today. Don't, don't put it off anymore. Okay? Are you all with me now? Everybody smile. Every, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. God is, he's, hey, you've made it up to this point. You're, you're not, he's not finished with you yet. Amen.